was in the in the okay, so above the stop above the stop sign. Test, 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 one, two, three, test, one, two, three, test, one, two, three. And I think inching even a little faster. I'm thinking maybe along, I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. Not that bouncy, but about that pace. Test, one, two, three, test, one, two, three, test, one, two, three. Be thou my vision. Thou my wisdom, and thou 
That's, are we house now as well? Seems really loud. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest without. I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart, Lord I need you, oh how I need you, every hour I need you, my my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Every hour I need my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. So teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, and when I cannot stand out, You're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Every hour I need you. My Oh. 
So we need to have that verse up first, Cindy. So this is, I looked at that and proclaimed verse 3. It says it's in red, but it's down below it as verse 3. So if you go, if you scroll down to the bottom, there's verse 3, chorus 3. That's chorus 3. I need verse 3 before that. If it works, what you can do is you can copy all of verse 3 down under chorus 3 since the chorus 3 reference works. I don't know why it was doing that. Error. 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 What's that? Error. Error. This cannot be. Anybody rem remember the movie Breaking Away? Bicycling Kids in Indiana. Uh, early, early, early. Um, oh, I can't remember the actor's name. But anyway, the, the yeah, it's, it's early 80s, but... Uh, the, the guy's dad, the kid star's dad, is a car salesman. And he's trying to get the kid to take over his job. And the kid doesn't want to do it. He just wants to race bicycles. And so, uh, long story short, he takes over for a day and refunds this guy. And so, the dad, you cut to him in the hospital, having had a stroke, going, refund, refund. <laughs> so, that's where I stole error from. Okay, it's, it's, okay. story time is done. Uh, oh, God, how I need you. And that's a fact. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. Then we pray, amen, okay, and then let's do, um, uh, the eight bar lead in to Lord I need you chorus bridge chorus this is Psalm 11 the Lord is in his holy temple to the choir master of David in the Lord I take refuge how can you say to my soul flee like a bird to your mountain for behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the ones and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur and scorching wind shall be the portions of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. Just as the word of God has been applicable from the time of the beginning of time to the time it is right now, over thousands of years, so are the prayers of the saints. I would like to actually share and read and have us join in a prayer written by a brother we have never met and will never meet until glory, because he penned this prayer 150 years ago. Written by Ray Palmer, and it was set to a hymn that is very beloved to today. So please join me. Our faith 
looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Now hear us while we pray. Take all our guilt away. Oh, let us from this day be wholly thine. May thy rich grace impart strength to our fainting hearts. Our zeal inspire as thou hast died for us. Oh, may our love to thee pure, warm, and changeless be a living fire. When life's dark maze we tread and griefs around us spread, be thou our guide. Bid darkness turn today, wipe sorrow's tears away, nor let us ever stray from thee aside. When ends life's transient dream, when death's cold, sullen stream shall over us roll, blessed Savior, then in love, Fear and distrust remove, O bear us safe above. Ransomed souls. Amen. And now our question for today What is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? We love to answer this together, so. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for your safe an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not covet. And our short answer, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. And our scripture, Exodus 23, sums it up. You shall have no other gods before me. There we go. It's, it's at times like this I, that I just, uh, I'm just blown away by the whole beginning of the service. I, it's like I just want to say, are there any questions? You know, it's, uh, God is good. Amen? All the time, God is good. And I, it's, it's just good to be here today. It's good to be uh, together uh, as a family, to be in his word, to hear his word uh, read. Uh, to hear his word spoken, to sing it, uh, and to rejoice in that today. And so as we, as we come uh, again to these questions, and again, I just want to emphasize this both to uh, adults and to, to children and young, young people here today, that uh, th this, this idea of teaching with question and answer is so important. Question and answer, and then sustained and validated by the scripture itself. So important for us to, to really look at this and see the importance of it. It's just an, a beautiful, beautiful way uh, to learn. And the question, again, that, that we're asking today is, what is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? And we've read that today. And, and, and so I want to just piggyback from where we left off last week uh, as we begin to introduce the Ten Commandments. And and I just want to begin by just, just the, the subtitle here, the relationship purpose of the Ten Commandments, and just really look at 
at, at the Ten Commandments within that context, the relationship purpose of the Ten Commandments. And I want to begin by reading a piece from Matthew 22, uh, 34 through 40. And, and this is, uh, this is a, in, in context, um, the religious leaders of the day are, are arguing with Jesus. They are, they are fighting. They are trying to find fault in Jesus. Can you believe that? Um, it it kind of looks like the world, sounds like the world we live in today, trying to find fault with God, trying to, trying to somehow make it so that God doesn't matter or God, God doesn't count, okay? But here, here is, uh, in the context of Matthew 22, when the Pharisees learned that the Sadducees could not argue with Jesus' answer to them, the Pharisees met together. They had a little huddle, okay? They met with him. One of the Pharisees who was a, and I love how Scripture says this, who was an expert of the law. You almost have to laugh, okay? Seriously. You have to chuckle. This is humor. This is God humor right here, okay? An expert of the law of Moses asked Jesus this question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the most important? Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and most important command. And the second command is like the first. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the writings of the prophets depend on these two commands. Isn't it interesting as you read scripture, as you read inner encounters, isn't it interesting that Jesus did not answer the Pharisees' question with one specific commandment. He said, what is the most important? Jesus answered with two. Okay, isn't it, But isn't it interesting that Jesus did not answer this Pharisees' questions with one specific commandment? Instead, Jesus went deeper in stating the heart of the commands or the commandments from which all the other commandments originate. You got to catch that. He goes deeper, right to the very heart and soul of all of the commandments, and, and which which all the others are based on. So loving God and loving our neighbor puts all the other commandments into context, folks. That has been one of the heartbeats of this church for the last ten years. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is it. That is loving God first. Loving being committed, being devoted, being sold out to God above all else. And, and I'm just going to tell you once again, or ask it in a question, is that easy to do? No. That's why God put it first. Okay? Be devoted to me. Love me above all else, above everything else, above anyone else. And in so doing, love your neighbor as yourself. So the commandments are encased. Please hear this. The commandments are encased in relationship. Okay? They are encased in relationship. A proper understanding of the law will not be achieved by you or I outside of this context. In the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments were a covenant of love given by God's, uh, by a personal God uh, for the people of Israel. Do you catch that? The law was given by a personal God to the people of Israel whom he loved, whom he chose. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 32, a little bit later in the, in the Old Testament. Now, therefore, our, oh, our God, the great and mighty, awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. All of God's law, the covenants of his law, are all encased in his love for people. So the primary purpose of the law is and was to restore relationships between a holy God and sinful man and to establish them the foundation for relationships with people. Let me just say that again. The primary purpose of the law is and was to restore relationships between a holy God and sinful man and then out of that to establish the foundation for relationships with people. That's the premise of the law. That is what it's there for. Last week we talked about rules and how we'd get caught up in rules. It, the purpose was to 
restore relationship, and then to establish foundation for relationships between ourselves. So the laws are signposts, if you will, guiding us on the road uh, on the road to that end. That is the purpose of the law. It is, they are signposts leading us, directions, okay, instructions leading us to that very end, to be restored to God and to be in relationship with people. So without, without such understanding, the Ten Commandments are really and merely just a set of, of, of rules that lead, and, I, and listen to this, they lead to death, they lead to discouragement, they lead to disillusionment, they lead to pride, they lead to legalism. If we do not see the law within the context of relationship, that's all you have. Rules. Do's and don'ts. And don't get caught doing that and whatever else in between. So the whole law hangs on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God. Relationship. The second, love your neighbor as yourself. Relationship. We must never forget that we were created for relationship with God and others. So the Old Testament and the New Testament covenants, or I can use the word law, were designed by God to bring his people back into right relationship with him. And it is and it finds its fulfillment in Christ's redeeming work on the cross. P.S., a little advertisement. Next week, okay, next week is it's Holy Week, okay? We've already said that. We just invite you to, we're going to step out of the, out of the questions for, uh, for Holy Week and, and, and just know that, um, um, oh, why is it, what's next Sunday? Palm Sunday. There you go. Thank you. Uh, we have a service for Palm Sunday. Then Friday, we have a tenebrae service, which we didn't get to have last year. We were all shut down. So Friday, we're going to have a tenebrae service. Please come and participate. Be a part of that. Um, read through the whole picture of the week leading to the crucifixion. Prepare your hearts for that. It's so important. The covenants of God, the laws of God are fulfilled they are fulfilled in the work, the redeeming work of Christ on the cross. Which really then the law points us to our need for a Messiah. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter, chapter 3, 24 and 25. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after, but after faith has come, we no longer need a tutor. It doesn't mean that we don't need the law, you guys. That's not what the scripture is saying. The law was there to teach us, to prepare us, number one, for our need for the ultimate Lamb of God, the Messiah who would come, who would fulfill, who would pay the price. But the law still stands. The instruction for how to live relationally with God and relationally with others still stands. Folks, one of the greatest travesties in the, in the Christian church of today is to actually hear people say, well, the law of God no longer applies to me today. Do you know what that allows? Chaos and anarchy. We might as well go right back to Judges where it says everyone, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The law of God is for relationship first and foremost with him and secondly with others. Jesus fulfills the ability to have those relationships. Because of that, or therefore because of that, just a couple things that I want to point out to you today. Number one, the Ten Commandments should be viewed as a gift from God. A gift. Okay? Did you guys growing up think that your the laws and the rules of your home were gifts, kids, parents, because you all grew up? Did you, did you see it that way? No. But they're gifts. God's, God's commandments to us should be viewed as his gift to us. So often we look at rules and guidelines as punishments. But the reality is that because God created us and loves us and knows what's best for us, he gives us moral and spiritual boundaries 
and direction on how to live life the way he intended it to be lived. Love your brother or your sister. I had three brothers and one sister. And you know what? I didn't really like this commandment. Because you know what? Either I wasn't being nice to them or they weren't being nice to me. And, and so there was a lot of strife. There was a lot of infighting. There was a lot of conflict that went along the way. And, and you've heard me say this before, but I remember times when Mark and I, because we were the closest in age, it's not that this ever happened with my younger siblings, but Mark and I would actually sit down at the beginning of the day in the morning and say, let's try to be good to each other all day. Not. Let's not fight. That was our big one. We would get in arguments. We would fight over my wants, my wishes, my desires, and Mark had his wants, his wishes, and his desires. And the two never did join. All right? And so we would fight. We would fight over the stupidest things. You know what I'm talking about. It's okay to laugh. It's stupid. I'll use the word. Okay? And we would fight over those things to the point where we would come to blows over who got to play with an inner tube. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, and so as we, but, but here's the deal. We missed the gift of God to love our brothers. We missed it. Now Mark and I talk about it, and we just go, I'm so embarrassed. All the years growing up from elementary school all the way through most of high school, Mark and I were at odds with each, with each, with each other. Folks, that's a lot of years of broken relationship. You catch that? Just on the human level of the command, that's a lot of years of brokenness. That Mark and I have had to go back and confess and apologize and, and, and forgive and restore. There's a little cartoon that we watch that we, we have as a favorite, and, the, and I, I can't tell you what it's all about. But the end of the whole thing is, is that the person sees what's going on and he missed the moment and he, it's just in big capital letters, rats. I missed the moment. That is our little signal to each other all the time now. When things are happening in life and we just email and text back and forth, they just go, rats. And it's our reminder. It's our reminder of where we are now. Do you catch that? Do you catch what I'm saying here? Uh, Pastor, theologian John Yates said this, the Ten Commandments are a love gift to us from God. Of course, this is true of all of Scripture, but the heart and the soul of God's guidance is found in the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are to be memorized and they are to be pondered and they are to be committed to as a way of life. He goes on to say the commandments are our treasure. We cherish them. They are a great gift, a love gift from God. They guide us. They warn us. They protect us. They, uh, when we keep them, we show others what God is like. When we fail to live by them, we bring great harm to ourselves, and we dishonor our maker God. Amazing words. So the first thing is that we need to see the Ten Commandments. They should be viewed as a gift from God. And the second thing that I want to say is that we are unable to fulfill the commandments on our own. Do you catch that? That's why rules and legalism and all those things never, ever work. We have a problem, you guys. That's what the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament Prove true. That's what the, old, the New Testament then verifies. That the law does one thing above all else. It points out that you and I are guilty of sin. It points out that we have a problem that we, because we have been born into the bondage of sin and selfishness, we cannot keep the law of God in and of our own strength. It is impossible. James chapter 10 verse 2 says this. For whoever shall keep the whole law yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. All of the law. 
But when we become new creatures by faith in Christ, we receive the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are freed from having to sin. Did you, did you catch what I said? We are freed from having to sin. We've been set free from the bondage of sin. Do you catch that? That's something that we need to believe in our hearts. We've been set free, okay? We've, we've been given the grace to keep God's law. Keeping God's commandments then is not burdensome or crushing, if you will, or pressing or oppressive, but rather helps us to live at peace with God, with ourselves, and with our neighbors. Folks, nowhere in here did I say that we don't have sin in us. Did you catch that? In Christ, we have been set free from the bondage of sin. That means we have now been given everything we need, as it says in the book of Peter, everything that we need to live a godly and holy life. We have been given all that in his grace. We just have to receive that and embrace it and apply it. Apply it. So when we decide to get angry, we are stepping into our old sinful nature, which is still there, and we are applying sinful nature to our hearts and our lives, and we are doing something to someone else that God said don't do. It is a choice. It didn't just happen. I have no idea how that came out. No, we chose to sin. So that is the battle, folks. That, that's a battle. That's a war that's raging in our hearts and lives, in our minds, in our hearts every, every day, every moment of the day. Who's going to sit on the, on the throne of my heart, God or me? And if I sit on the throne of my heart, I'm going to tell you what. I am going to break the law of God. It is going to happen. I guarantee it. The third thing that I just want to address today is that Jesus clarified then and deepen the understanding of the commandments in the New Testament. So the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. And Jesus summarized the, the first four commandments by saying this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The last six commandments then address our relationship with our fellow man. And Jesus summarized them uh, with this statement, love your neighbor as yourself. There is the commands all summarized right there. So Jesus taught and clarified the deeper meaning of the Ten Commandments. Um, and as he, uh, ex uh, uh, as he ex uh, explained the Ten Commandments in the Gospels, here's what he did. He raised the bar on our understanding of what God expects of us. Okay? So, there's, folks, there's a number of references that are going to be in your, in your thing. I, I changed something up, so this is not Gail's fault, okay? She did everything what I asked her to do, and then I get to do the fun thing and change it all before I get up here on Sunday. All right, but I'm going to focus in on one area uh, today, and I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Because today I want to, because Jesus expanded or raised the bar, if you will, on, the, on our understanding of what God expects from the Ten Commandments. So in John chapter 8, we find uh, the topic we're going to talk about is adultery. Do not commit adultery, okay? So in John chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says this, and, when each, uh, and, they each, and they went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, he came uh, again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. By the way, taught, catechism. That's where the word comes from, right there, taught. He is teaching. He is teaching them in a form of giving them material. There's question and answer that's happening here. He taught them. Um, uh, Verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him, 
that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw the stone to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I you condemn you. Go and from now on, and from now on sin no more. It's an incredible, it's an incredible passage that is here. The law was clear. Okay, one of the things that I just want to point out, um, when, when they say, now in the law of Moses, Moses commanded us. Was it Moses' commandment or God's? It was God's. They had already, in my view, delineated from God to Moses, making either Moses more important than God. See, You see where we're headed here, folks? They've already set Moses above God. As you really look at this, Yes, Moses was God's spokesman, and yes, they could be speaking in reverence here, but it's interesting to me how they say this. Moses commanded us. No, God commanded. You see the difference? That is so important for us to say. Thou shalt not commit adultery did not come from Moses, folks. It came from God. Along with the rest of the, of the laws, it is so important for us to see this. But as they, as they, the law was clear, adultery, adultery was a capital offense with two guilty parties. If a man is found lying with a wife of another man, both of them shall die. Deuteronomy chapter 22, 22. In accordance with the law, therefore the scribes and the Pharisees came to Jesus with an adulterous woman to be stoned. But I just have a question. Where's the man? You see what happens in our culture when we remove God from his rightful place? We begin to twist and turn the law to make it what we want it to be. They've removed the man who could have been maybe one of them. We don't know. Okay, because they caught her in the very act. But they've removed the man. Can I just tell you why? Because they don't care. Folks, those are hard words. Please listen to what I'm saying. They don't care about God's law. And my friends, sometimes neither do we. We don't care. They really weren't concerned about the law. Their concern was testing Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, because they did not like the fact that he was disrupting their world. And folks, sometimes we do the same. We don't like it because it disrupts the way we want to live and the things that we want to do and the things that we want to say and the things that we want to pursue. They were testing because they were looking for a loophole. They were looking for a failure. They were looking for some way to just say, Jesus doesn't matter. God doesn't matter. But Jesus was not fooled. He said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Folks, can I just tell you this? Listen to what I'm going to say. Of course, Jesus wasn't making a new recommendation for a new judicial system. Uh, no criminal would be held accountable if judges had to be without sin. Do you understand? Jesus is, you know, he says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. Folks, there was no one without sin. That's what the law exposes. I'm a sinner and I need God. I need his righteousness. He's my one defense. That's what we need. 
Jesus isn't trying to change the judicial system here because at that point, no criminal would be held accountable. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is making the point, a point that he frequently made to the, to, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day. He often said things like this to them. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy or compassion and not sacrifice. You find it in Matthew 9, 13, Matthew 12, 1 through 8, John chapter 7, 21 through 23. These are statements that Jesus constantly brought the religious leaders, the church today, back to you, folks. God, would, God desires mercy and compassion, grace over sacrifice. Can I just say it? Over a religious way of practice. In other words, he was telling them that they were missing the most important part of the law, and it is the foundation of love. Okay, folks, please hear when I say that. I am not a proponent of the, the love church of today. It is the love of God and, his, and his, his commandments that he's given us, a loving fence around us that he has given us that show us how to live and and, and protect us and keep us safe. I'm not just saying that everything is love. God loves. God loves everything. God accepts everything. That is not what I'm saying here. I am saying that the foundation of the, of the law is God's love. That is what we find. And although they appeared to be interested in upholding the law, they were actually breaking it because they were not acting on the basis of love or grace or humility, and or compassion. Folks, there's not a one of us in this room that is not a sinner today. Amen? You can say amen to that. If you're a believer here today, there is not one of us that has not been covered by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? So far, we're all on equal ground. What is, what is the system that holds us accountable? It is God's law. That's what holds us accountable. That's what moves us. That's what directs us. That's what keeps us in step. That's what builds unity. And the cool thing about it is, you guys, is that every one of us is different, and so there's, there's unity within great diversity. But the law remains the same. God's law remains the same. And so they went away. From the oldest to the youngest, they went away. Because they finally recognized their own brokenness and their own sinfulness. Folks, their own need. Their own need for God. And they went away and Jesus told the woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. Folks, he didn't say it doesn't matter whether you sin. That's not what he said. Instead, he said, and here in effect, and here's a, a broader translation I myself am establishing your righteousness on the foundation of my love and my grace. Therefore, don't sin. Not because you fear its punishment, but because you have met me and have been saved by grace. Let me read that to you again, you guys. I myself, God, Jesus Christ in the flesh, I am establishing your righteousness on the foundation of my love. Folks, that's a big pool to swim in. You just need to dive in there. You need to dive into what he's saying. I am establishing your righteousness on the foundation of my love and my grace. Therefore, don't sin. Not because of your fear of punishment, but because you have met me. The one who has removed your sin and have been saved by my grace. You've met me. And Jesus came and, and disrupted the, the Jews' external uh, approach to the Ten Commandments. You see, they, they thought that the rules uh, involved actions only, just outward actions. But Christ came and highlighted the issue, the issue, folks, the issue of the heart. So again, the question comes down to, and I'm going to rephrase these for you. What is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? 
What is it? First, that we know God as the only true God. Second, that we avoid all forms of false worship. This is gonna, I've changed a little bit of this. So third, that we treat God's name with fear and reverence. Fourth, that on the Sabbath day we spend time in worship of and with God. Fifth, that we love and we honor our father and our mother. Sixth, that we do not hurt or hate our neighbor. Seventh, that we live pure and faithful. Eighth, that we do not take uh, without permission things that which do not belong to, that which belong to someone else. Ninth, that we do not lie or deceive. Ten, that we be content, not envying what others have. That's the crux of the Ten Commandments, folks. That's it right there. That's how God wants us to live. That's how God intended us to live. Folks, there's only one way that can happen today in Christ Jesus. In Him and Him alone. In Christ is how we can embrace in His grace and His mercy and His compassion. And we can be as the woman caught in adultery when He says, go and sin no more. He says, because you have met me. Because you have met me and have been saved by my grace. Now you are free to live this way. Does that mean you're not going to struggle? No. Does that mean that you're not going to have a, a, a day that you get that you wake up and you go, you know what, I just want me, me, me. We're going to struggle. I guarantee you, you're going to struggle. But Jesus daily meets you and says, come back to me. Come back to me. Confess. Come back to me. I love you. You're mine. I saved you by my grace. Depend on me. Trust in me. Surrender to me. We can learn to live out the Ten Commandments as we realize that they are God's gift to us. You guys, it's like learning how to tell the truth. Maybe you remember this growing up. When you were young, you sometimes felt that you had to protect yourself by deceiving others and lying. You remember that? Okay, I just did something, but if I really tell the truth, I'm going to get whooped, okay? Uh, there's going to be consequences. And, and so what do I do, you know? I always love dad's question. Who did this? And in our family, there were multiple fingers pointing in every other direction. You know, and, and actually, in the end, everyone was to blame. Okay? And guess what? In our home, if we all did that, guess what? We all got spanked. <laughs> it didn't matter at that point because we were lying. Okay, because we were afraid. Okay, we were afraid. You know, honestly, for me, if I just looked at dad in the eyes, I was weeping. I didn't need a spanking. I was weeping. I was broken. I mean, he just had this way. It was kind of like, it wasn't mean. It was just like, it, it, there was hurt. There was disappointment. And if he could remove himself from that, and it was just pure, raw hurt and disappointment, I was broken, you guys. I was willing to confess. I was willing to say, Mark did it all. Not really. I was willing, you guys. I was willing myself to confess. But, you know, here's the deal. There were consequences. And as we grow up, we learn sometimes, you know, learning to tell the truth when we're young sometimes, and even when we're old, because sometimes that habit of lying just follows us. It doesn't go away, okay? We, we feel like we have to protect ourselves by deceiving others and lying. But as we grow, we learn that, that, uh, that deceiving others and lying to others really is not the best. And so we begin to speak truth. We speak it in love. We speak it in humility and in honesty. We practice honesty. Folks, you don't go from no lying, from, from lying to no lying, just like that. It's a practice. It's a replacement. It's a, it's a discipline. It's a discipline. You see, but it all hangs on those two lots. Love God first. If I'm going to love God first with all my heart and my mind and my soul, okay, then I'm, I want to honor God, right? I want to honor God. And then, P.S., he says, 
now love your neighbor as you love yourself. So now God not only wants me to love him, but he wants me to love others as I love myself. And if I really do love myself, then I need to learn how to be honest and not deceptive. But it's a practice. It's a discipline. Kids, it's a practice. Young people, it's a practice. Adults, it's a practice. You can practice deception or you can practice honesty. The boundaries have already been set. They're already there. There's no like, man, I didn't know that one. Rats. Catch that? Rats. I didn't know that one. No, it's all there. It's all there. That's why, that's why it says at the end of Matthew 22, that's why the prophets love God's law and, and why we should too. You see, keeping the Ten Commandments protects us. Catch what I'm going to say? It protects our society. Did you catch that? It protects us as individuals. It protects you and I as a church. It protects our society that you and I live in today. Folks, if you want to see change in the world, then live by God's commands. That's where it starts. It doesn't start with people who don't know and don't understand. It starts with those who know and who understand. That's why, and I'm just going to say this as my one political pet peeve, when God says, if my people who are called by my name will, will confess their sins, fall on their face and confess their sins, I'll heal the land. Folks, that is not America. That's God's people. Not America. That's God's people, people who have been called by God. Israel and us today, Christians. People, it starts there. Okay? Never expect anyone that, is, that, is, that does not know God to follow God's law. They will not follow it. They will break it, and they will do whatever it takes to distort it and to twist it and to make it whatever they want. And we see the ravages of that today. We see it all around us. So where does the ball fall? In your court and mine. I know and I understand. And God says, apply it. Live it. Trust me. Do what you, I have asked you to do. These principles of the law are at the heart of why of, and how God created us to live. They're at the heart of it, you guys. They're at the heart of it. Pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the richness of your word. Lord, we understand that we live in a broken and fallen uh, world, Lord, where your law, your principles, your precepts and statutes have been twisted and distorted so that man can do whatever they want. God, we ask for forgiveness for where we have done that in our own personal lives. God, we ask that you would change our hearts, Lord. May we hear you, Lord Jesus, standing in front of us saying, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Lord, let us, let us rest in and bathe in your righteousness, which you have poured into us by your grace. We just want to say thank you and we love you. God, we give ourselves today and all God's people said, amen. Stand with me as we conclude with a song today.